Okay, welcome to Sidetrack with Abby and John, a podcast where we talk about motion picture soundtracks and record label compilations that introduced us to the music we love. We talk about the songs, the scenes, and everything in between, and we are so happy you're here. This episode, we're going to talk about the seminal Generation X film soundtrack. So get out your thrifted cardigan. So up your angst to 11 because all we need is a couple smokes, a cup of coffee, and some good conversation. You, me, and five bucks, we are chatting reality bites. I love the idea that a pack of smokes and (laughs) two coffees would cost $5. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of really anything that costs $5 anymore, so... No. It's perfect. It's totally 1994. (laughs) So, we got some facts to keep us on track. So, starting out, um, this film was released in 1994 and stars Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Janine Garofalo, Steve Zahn, and Ben Stiller. This is also Ben Stiller's directorial debut and was written by Helen Childress. I completely forgot that uh, Ben Stiller directed this. I know. And like I watched it the other day and didn't, I always read who the director is and I didn't even notice it. I know. Until you said that, I was like, oh. I I also found that very interesting because every time I watch it, I kind of forget he's in it. Like he is such a, (laughs) which is, it's telling to my experience and connection to the movie. That oh, I forget 100%. his character when he's so central in every way. Yeah, so. but I think I can, well, I know who I related to in the movie. And <laughs> like, yeah, of course, he's just a, Ben Stiller's just not even a thing to me in it. No, that's for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. So here's my summary. Oh, your summary. My okay, summary great. for everyone. All right. So, all right. So the film follows Lelena Pierce, an aspiring documentarian, and her three friends, Troy, Vicky, and Sammy, as they try to navigate life in their 20s post graduation. As Lelena is trying to sell her documentary film about her life, featuring herself and her friends, she meets Michael, an executive in some bizarro world version of a Texas based MTV music channel. <laughs> Naturally, a love triangle ensues, obviously. Obviously. What else could happen? Between Lelena, Michael, and Troy. Troy, the epitome of Generation X fervor and sarcasm, and the audience is taken on an infuriating ride that ends with little payoff aside from this badass soundtrack. That's my summary. <laughs> That's uh, perfect. It's funny that um, you're right. The soundtrack is the best thing. Yeah. Like, I thought this movie was incredible and deep when i was what was it It came out in 94 94 i so i was 13 and i was like wow look at these people look how cool troy is oh my god i want to grow up to be troy right hey that's my bike (laughs) and you were a hey that's my biker i was a (laughs) hey that's my biker that's right and uh and oh my god it's just like you watch it now and I, of course, Troy is the worst. The worst. And yeah. like, and I thought that scene where he comes and, you know, bears his soul and tells oh. her like, oh. and now I watch it and I'm like, you idiot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the worst. The worst. And I think in all my notes, there are far too many like asterisk, asterisk, asterisks. Troy is a dick or <laughs> Troy is a fucking asshole because he is in yeah. almost... The entire movie. He has a few key lines that I still quote to this day, but right, yeah, can't really stand him. So uh, the one thing that the one one song that is not on the soundtrack, which I know we'll probably get to, but mm-hmm. is, is uh, when he sings 
Violent Femmes. Oh, <laughs> my God. And I'll get to that because that is always in every rewatch. That's where I just turn it off. I can't. I can't go any further than that scene because he's just awful. Oh, my God. He's Yeah, it's awful. Like Who does that? <laughs> just like. Yeah. I yeah, it's the worst. He's the worst and um yeah, this really I don't know, that sums up a lot of my thoughts towards the film in general aside from the fact that I love all of the fashion and I always thought that was the size of apartment I would have when I was 23. <laughs> like that's what I would be able to afford if I had a minimum wage paying job, which is very untrue yes it's it's one of those things where you're just like um how are these people living this life um yeah. and they seem so much older than just graduated um and yeah uh <laughs> vicky's room well i i have loved janine garofalo <laughs> forever same and vicky's room is just like everything i wanted in a bedroom. Oh my gosh, a, I have it all. Yeah, I wrote it down. Like I used to, I idolized the idea of records on the wall. I did that. And like Saturday Night Fever, the Boston like record. Oh my like, God, yes. Sleeve on the wall. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot that I brought a surprise to show you. Oh, okay. This is exciting. Oh my God, a cassette. It is my original copy of the soundtrack on cassette. Wow. Um, from BMG. So, wow. you know, I think I had already done Columbia House to get the <laughs> 10 oh cassettes gosh. for a penny or whatever. Right. And um, then I had to do BMG. And I know that uh, I did not pay them like any money ever. <laughs> and so they were always harassing me for stuff. Anyway. Um, but yeah, it's my, I didn't, uh, I think I never oh, owned yeah, it on, I never owned it on uh, CD. There is a CD copy in my house uh, that wow. is my wife's. I have the CD. I have the CD. And I don't think, I don't know when I got it. I remember I got it at, uh, I believe it was Dr. Disc in London. Nice. It was used. So it was not in great quality or in <laughs> great condition when I purchased it. But yeah. I didn't cool. have a CD player for like Me a either. long time as a kid. So yeah, we'll. I'm sure we'll touch on that a lot because yeah. yeah, I had to save up a lot of money for CDs, so I had a lot of stuff on cassette. Very cool. Uh, I also brought my uh, my old discman in. <gasps> oh, yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right, you want to get into the music? Yeah, let's get into the okay. music. Is so, that what we're here for? I think so. Okay, cool. And the nostalgia of right. it all. All right, so I want to note that the soundtrack is not um, the same order as the songs are shown in the film. Right. So if this is a shock to anyone, because we're talking about a film from 1994, there will be some spoilers. <laughs> Number one, spoiler, Troy's a dick. Number two, um, yeah, we're going to talk about some songs that are not on the soundtrack. And I also want to note that the re-release of the soundtrack, which was... I can't remember when that was, 2000-something. There was a re-release. There was, and they that. added a couple extra songs, oh. including like another song by Lisa Loeb. I think they're on the YouTube playlist, maybe. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> there is the clip where Ethan Hawke sings added mm -hmm. up. Um, where was it? Oh, Fools Like Me by Lisa Loeb. Yes. 
I believe that's. I didn't put them down because honestly, I didn't really know any of the song. I'm gonna, uh, ignore what didn't exist when it existed. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. We're All in '94. Right. So we're in 1994. We're gonna go from there, and we kick it off with a huge, huge banger—the banger of the movie. I love this song. Yeah, uh, My Strona by so The Knack. Good. Originally from 1979 or debuted in 1979, it was the lead single, the first single from Get the Knack. Uh, But this version specifically was actually remastered. They upped the drums and a lot of people didn't like it. Oh my God, I didn't know that. I have Get the Knack on vinyl and I've never compared them. (gasps) Oh, we'll have to do a side by side. Uh, Yeah, because... I freaking love the drums in this version. I, I It made me realize that I don't think I know the original. No, I don't think so either. Right? Then. So, yeah. So they got some hate um, from that. I, it, the drums, I was listening, I was driving around listening to this the other day. Mm-hmm. And the drums, at least in this version, make me think of, um, there's a podcast that I really like where they deconstruct uh, the writing of a song. Mm-hmm. And there was a song that I heard on that where the, they're talking about the drums and the the singer right, songwriter wanted the drummer to play drums like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, and I'm like, that's this too. <laughs> like this is totally a Bam Bam yeah, style of drumming. You're like, right. Just like kind of big and meaty and dumb yeah. and like loud. But maybe not. Maybe just in this version. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> right. It's so this ver- wow. I know. And so from here, I have to ask you: Do you know like the story of this song? No, I've always. Okay, so I love this song, but I've always ignored, I've avoided purposefully finding out the meaning of the <laughs> lyrics because it sounds like it's about hooking up with young people. Oh, I'm so sorry that I am going to tell you what oh, it's no. about then. <laughs> okay, no, I, th- I already had thought about this and I figured you would. Um, but uh, whatever the line, it, yeah, there's there's too many lines where I'm like, you're hooking up with young ladies. Yeah, inter- I guess, I don't know if I ever made the connection to the youth of it all, but I've always been like, what? I don't know. Do I love the way you're talking about Sharona? I don't know, but. I always get it up for the touch of the younger kind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Never mind. I did make that connection. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It's like, I don't, anyway, I've just willfully okay. ignored it. Yeah. Well, here you are learning that right. now Doug Feger of the Knack, uh, he dated a lady named Sharona Elperin, Elperin. He claimed that he was super mesmerized by her just amazingness, which I don't doubt. Sharona is obviously like super incredible. Um, but yeah, he was 25 and she was 17. Uh, I know. What mm. year was that? What year was that? That's a great question. I want to say that was 1978-ish. Cool. I think they dated for like a year. What was with, yeah. I feel like there's so much stuff in that era of like, I mean, I've watched Almost Famous, you know, about a million times. Yeah. And there's just so much of the, like the band-aids and the like, the yeah. age of, and you're just like, what the heck? 
people. I know. And I mean, the one thing is, so Sharona was actually like, she's always spoken very highly of the relationship. It's never been anything scandalous. She is a successful realtor in L.A. And on her Twitter handle, it says like L.A.'s premier realtor. And yes, the Knack wrote a song about me. So she's obviously not ashamed. I love it. And she's still in good graces with them or they're in good graces with her. I feel like her username should be like, I'm Sharona. (laughs) Oh, I hope it is. I hope it is. One reason that I never wanted to dislike this song is because this guitar solo is one of my favorite guitar solos of all time. Yeah, I love everything about this song. There's really nothing I don't like. It's so, like, I feel like I never tried to figure out how one might play that solo. You could probably mm-hmm. tell me it's the easiest solo in the world, but it rips. Yeah. It, like, bounces. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it's fantastic. Right twang. I and, agree. And then, and then, yeah, the drums. Yeah. Wow. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Next to the fact that in the movie, I think this is, like, the best scene in the movie. Yes. Which... Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's everyone's a, having fun, which doesn't happen a lot, not collectively. So that scene like makes that movie, it makes you, well, it makes you love Janine Garofalo. Mm-hmm. It makes, I feel it's got to, it must have been in the trailer because like. Oh yeah. It was in, I think it was in everything. And then it was, did they re, I forget. Did they put this in the Knack video? Um, did they redo the Knack video? They redid, or they worked so much of the movie into the video. There is a video, yeah, and I'm sure that scene's got to be in it, yeah. Yeah. There is a video that has clips from. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Um, I love just when she tells the guy, like, turn it up, you won't regret it. (laughs) Like, (laughs) how is he not going to regret, like, is he just going to enjoy them dancing, or is it just, like, the song is that good I think, I took it as that i you always would took never it as, regret turning up my yeah, sharona this song is so good you're always going to be happy when yeah. you can turn it up so yeah it's a great scene it is a great scene. great song okay so next song one of my very favorites from this entire soundtrack i think probably the reason i bought the soundtrack was actually this song which is spin the bottle by the juliana hatfield three oh it's such a good song such uh, a good song It's like, I would say my favorite song on this, like overall, outside of the soundtrack, my favorite song is My Sharona, but mm-hmm. on the soundtrack, my favorite song is Spin the Bottle, <laughs> it's if that so makes sense. Good. And when I rewatched the movie, I'm like, oh, this song was so underutilized. Do you even remember, do you remember the scene? I made a note of it yes. because I was like, what? Like right? I had to rewatch it again. Like I watched it once this weekend, and then I had to rewatch it again because somehow I missed it. Yeah, because Vicky's just folding shirts in the gap. She's just folding shirts, and it's just like the very opening, right? Yeah. Like it's not even. We don't even get to spin the bottle. I which... almost think it's good that they did that because it is such a like storytelling song. Yeah. That like if you actually heard it at a, like at a reasonable volume. 
um, then you would be like distracted by what's going on in That's the song. That's true. Oh, the guitars are so good. Yeah, everything about it. Awesome. Yeah, this is, I did not know Juliana Hatfield, um, but like, yeah, this is one of the ones where I was definitely introduced to this artist, everything like just in this, in this yeah. song. I, it's such a good song. Unsurprisingly, big fan. Yeah. Big fan. But this was really my first introduction to her as a band. Like right. I was, I've always been into her as a solo artist and I mean, yeah. So I started following her a lot more as a solo artist, but I, this was my intro. I love her. Yeah. Her voice is so cute and sweet in this. Uh, it's anyway, I have two different things that, that I think about when I hear, have you watched my so-called life? I did. I didn't watch it like regularly as a kid. Right. It was on some kind of time that I couldn't watch it regularly, but. So I, yeah, I saw a couple episodes like when I was a kid mm-hmm. and it was on, but I own the DVDs. It's one of my favorite Ooh, shows Okay, perfect. Ever. I yeah. want to borrow those. I will okay. loan it to you. <laughs> she is, Juliana Hatfield is in an episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. As a dead girl? That yeah. comes back as an angel. Yes. Yes. Okay, I wasn't going to spoil it for you if you didn't know <laughs> Sorry, that. no, I'm spoiling it for everyone. <laughs> oh, that's true. You did. Yeah. Um, yeah again, no, isn't that, that show's from 94, 93? <laughs> yeah. So, sorry. Yeah. If the, Again, <laughs> newsflash, there's going to be some 25 plus year spoilers. That's true. So. Um, yeah, no, she's amazing in it. And she sings this song in it. She's like a... <gasps> I didn't know she sang in it. Yeah, she does. Yeah. It's the Christmas episode. Yes. And like, okay, I know that there are people who don't like Christmas episodes that are all like, or like, I love a Halloween show that gets like spooky mm-hmm. and like has ghosts and stuff, mm-hmm. which they also have one of those in my so-called life. Love it. And then this, the episode is all like, yeah, she's an angel. And I'm totally fine with breaking, like you can be a realistic show and then Christmas, you're like, fine, all rules are off. Yeah, be as supernatural totally. as you want. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she's she's great. Ricky Vasquez, he's my favorite character mm. in the show. Mm-hmm. And him his storyline in that episode is heartbreaking and amazing. It is one of the best episodes for me of that show, although I know some people really don't like it because of the angel factor. Oh, okay, interesting. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah. Okay, the other thing that this song always reminds me of is like it hadn't stood out on the album to me yet. Like it was, you know, it was just one of mm-hmm. the songs and I didn't love it yet. And then in grade eight, so it was around the year that it came out. Oh, yeah. Because I would have been yeah, like would have been, 13. Yeah. Um, my family like didn't have a lot of money. So it's like the grade eight trip. Everybody goes to Ottawa except for me <laughs> and like maybe a couple other grade right. eight kids. Yeah. And one of them is this guy, Javier Gutierrez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's just like me and him out of like our like friends are the only two dudes there. So then I remember like we were hanging out with these two grade seven girls who like we were friendly with because we had nobody to hang out with. Right. Is this at school or this is outside of school? So this then one day we go over to the one girl's house outside Mm -hmm. of school, like after school and we're just hanging out. She had a pool and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Weirdly, when we lived somewhere else in town, her dad had been my mom's divorce lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's a a connection. There's so many weird levels to this story. Uh, and then anyway, so we're hanging out, me and these, uh, this, the two guys and these two girls, and then they put on this song and they're like, this is the best song. Aww. This song is so good. Yeah. And I was like, 
oh my god this song is really good yeah and then i started listening to the lyrics and i'm like oh my god like girls talk about kissing <laughs> like yeah. and it, it was just Your one of those like blown. mind-blowing experiences <laughs> of like oh okay this song is great i'm sure at the time i also i mean for a long time i didn't listen to a lot of female singers right so that was another thing for me i'm like it doesn't sound like pearl jam so right it's not good yeah uh but yeah it just opened my mind to oh. um what is the line about like oh if it was just us would you do what i would do oh yeah that yeah. line is golden yeah i love i love all of the lines in this song <laughs> i just think they're so great and i don't know there is it's... there's one line that i love that now i don't love as much but okay. it's it's perfectly written it's just it's the she is such a sucker mm-hmm. he don't want to fuck her which is amazing right? but also like i it's the like being mean to other people like you know it's just cattiness yeah so, so interesting which i i guess like this this whole time in my early teens i was also massively consuming like amazing women in music but also terrible teen girl magazines right and juliana hatfield was like on the cover of sassy oh which, sassy right sassy was just so everywhere good. sassy 17 and then i think there was like teen sassy was a great magazine yeah and sassy did have some decent interviews and so they had this interview with juliana hatfield and she was super you know like i mean it was the time to talk to women about being in rock and roll right. and making music as if women hadn't been making music for <laughs> ever before that. But um, in this Juliana Hatfield interview, she actually says at one point they, they ask her about that line and they ask her about spin the bottle. And she says, I've never, I've never played spin the bottle. I'm actually a virgin. And that followed her for, I, I mean, I should say when I was reading that at like, whatever that was like 14, it's like, Holy shit. She's like cool with saying that because, yeah. of course, right before that, we were. Uh, I feel like every young teen is watching shows where it's like, you got to lose your virginity. Oh like, you don't want anyone to know, right? Like, worst, like, trope of definitely. Like, teen stuff. And she was so, so, like, sex positive by being open about right. the fact that she's like, I just don't want to. That's yeah. why I haven't. And I'm, you know, whatever, like, mid 20s. And yeah, it's just not for me. That's and, amazing. I love that so much. Right. And then it did, it, of course, followed her. And every single male journalist asked her about oh it. And God. everybody wanted to know when she was going to lose it. And, you know, eventually she came out and was like, don't worry. It was time at 26, just for everyone that was wondering. <laughs> And I love her for that. That's too. amazing. But yeah, so I love yeah the like sex positivity by not having sex, right? And being open. Yeah, because I think too when you're that age, like there are so many people that are saying like, "Hey, like have sex, have safe sex." But then it's nice, it's refreshing to hear someone say, "But also like don't if you don't want to." Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That's I also adored which I hope one day we talk about it. I also then followed her further on other compilations. Oh. And she, do you remember the Saturday morning cartoons? Yes. Oh my God, yeah. She like, did the Josie and the Pussycats one. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah. Oh man, that, yeah. What is what is that album called? Uh, it's called Saturday Morning Cartoons. Is it? Yeah, it's on okay. MCA. Yes. 1995, so one year after this was released. I have that somewhere. I know. I actually never had it. I always borrowed it because I couldn't. Any, I couldn't like afford any of those big compilations. Right, but but for me, it was like 
and I'm sure this will come up again and again, like one of the reasons why I think compilations were big at, at the time or big for me in soundtracks is that like I couldn't necessarily afford taking the chance yeah. on like a Juliana Hatfield album right? and being like, oh, maybe I will like one song or maybe yeah. I will like the whole thing. And this way you're like, oh, I get yeah all of these songs. Oh my God, so many. Yeah. There were so many. So yeah. So love her. Love this song. The two, there's two other weird interconnected things with my story is that oh. the other girl who. Oh yeah, sorry. I totally sidetracked no, that's, that story. I, I, I thought I was done it and then I was like, I'm going to like, there's two other <laughs> things. So one really interesting aspect sorry. of that story is that I was thinking about that story in context of this. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was Friday night last week. I got an Etsy order. No. It's from the one girl. Really? Yep. That's wild. Yep. I mean, That's we're still really friends wild. on Facebook and stuff, but yeah. like, but yeah. That's, that is a very wild coincidence. I know. It's pretty cool. You're going to slip. Maybe it'll just, I don't know. I was going to say slip like the tape sleeve in, but don't. No. I know. know. And she will, but maybe she would get it. Have you noticed that I (laughs) do not give anything away? We're in my office, which is a, there's a lot of stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Okay. That's a good story. Okay. So next (laughs) song. You got a lot to say about this song? I I have very little to say about this song. Same. I'm not. Same. The int- I do really like the intro, mm-hmm. like that nice jangle pop. Yeah. Like, um, I don't really like the vocal, like the Bed of Roses. The song is Bed of Roses. Yeah. Um, and I there's I don't like the chorus very much. I don't know i i this is a song where i always forget that it's a female singer <laughs> i don't know why um and so every time that kicks in every time her vocals kick in i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna give it a listen and then i'm like uh i'm yeah. not I'm not super into it it's by the indians which none of the members are indigenous or south asian yeah. so speaks a little to you know the times and uh they're actually like really hard to find anything on oh, really? so that's yeah it's a song it's a song they play it in the movie surprise it's at a point where troy's being a dick okay it's right before <laughs> it's right before Violent Femmes, yeah, right? yeah exactly so <laughs> yeah there's nothing really great attached to this one no like i don't fast forward it but you know of course i say fast forward because i only have right. this album on cassette yeah <laughs> i'm trying to think i i probably didn't i probably let it go i, I mean after you rewound and listened to spin the bottle four yeah. times and then then you let it play oh my gosh that's why i never remember that it i don't know because <laughs> <laughs> i'm just focused on that song before it exactly all right okay well, well that's enough of that's enough that's enough of better bros yeah so the next song was actually recorded for this soundtrack. So this is a song 
specially recorded for this movie. I did not know that. Right? I know. And I think, like, to be honest, I don't know a ton about this song or this band, but this song rips in the scene that it is used in. It is. This song is not on. This is uh, this is when you come back to me by World Party. Yeah. It's not on Spotify, uh-huh. and it looks like the only copy, or like the copy in this fan compiled, the Ben Stiller fan club compiled listing of it right. on <laughs> YouTube is just from the movie. Oh, okay. Well, there. Now you can watch the scene as I talk about this scene. I can. Like, it's a really great song. It's the first scene of the movie. Well, I should say the first scene introducing all the characters, oh, right? Oh, Okay. So like it's Lelena making coffee, but they don't have a to- or they don't have a filter, so she uses toilet paper as <laughs> if that would work. Like I actually, there was a point in my life where I, I thought that would work. That right. would be a disaster. It would be a disaster. So, yeah, this is where we get Vicky's room. Right. And this is yes. where I have it all like. Right. The other thing that oh I love. Oh, and Troy stealing the chocolate bar that Troy gets him fired. Stealing the chocolate bar, and do you see what that motherfucker is reading? No, I didn't. Was oh, it Playboy or something? God, no! It's a review of existential psychology and psychiatry. <laughs> Fuck you, Troy! <laughs> like we all have that friend that's like too cool for school in every respect and doesn't care that you went to school at all, which no one has to. Right. But then reads like the boring shit from school that no one wants to. Yeah, so he can rub it in your face. Yeah. That he knows. Right? And yeah, yeah, so this was, that should have been the real red flag when I was younger. (laughs) That Troy was not the guy I thought he was. Well, what's funny with that scene of him in in the, at at his job at, is it a gas station? It is a newsstand. A newsstand. Right. So what's funny with that scene is that like, it comes up later that he lost his job because he stole the chocolate bar. Yes. But you only see it for like a half a second. You right. might not even realize that that's what he's doing. No. And, and so it's just, it's kind of like, a, I kind of like that they did it that way, but it's also weird at the same time. It's total. There's a few moments in this movie where Troy, like little, there's little blips that are actually big plot developments. <laughs> and it doesn't really, yeah, unless you've watched it a thousand times, it doesn't always register. But... How, like, you're so smart, but you can't steal a Snickers? I don't get it. I just, I don't know. How You can't not get caught stealing a Snickers. Yeah. I like, don't, how did that all transpire? I'm pretty sure I could work there, steal a Snickers, and then have nobody know. Right? Exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah. I don't know. He's the worst. Anyway, so that's all I got with that. Um, it is a good song. It is, uh, yeah, the one that was like a big seller on the soundtrack wow. initially. That's so. that's interesting because to me it, it is another like it's fine. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know nothing about World Party. No, and I I thought that maybe I did, but I don't. I know nothing. 
it would be this song and that's it. Right. So it is very of the time, which makes sense that it was recorded for the right? movie. Yeah, exactly. So from there, we move into a pretty like pivotal '90s band, right? I sure. <laughs> okay, good. Oh my gosh, I figured that you loved the Posies, so we're talking about the Posies. <laughs> the song is "Going Going Gone" by the Posies. <laughs> This is a whatever for me. Another whatever. It's not bad. I'm not saying it's bad. But like. It is kind of boring. It's very 90s. Very 90s. Like very the the full push of like alternative music. I should actually shouldn't say that. I guess alternative wasn't really there yet. But it was the full push of like college commercial rock. grunge. Or, or like college co- rock. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like. It's got some like REM vibes mm-hmm. in that co- and then like there's definitely some Sloan for me. Yeah, but I in like its vocals. Sloan. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. I don't know. I know, and that's where the posies, like there's a few bands on here where I'm like, I'm supposed to like this. Oh yeah, there's so much of that. But for me in this era. Yeah, but I just yeah, I never really so it was oh, the one thing that I do think is kind of notable about the song was that it was released as a promo single for this uh soundtrack. And then they actually, like, the B-side on the single was Ethan Hawke's I'm Nothing. Wow. Yeah, which, I don't know, that doesn't make me like it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that I'm Nothing, and uh, it will come up later, was my favorite song on this soundtrack for a long time. Really? Oh, wow. Okay. You will not like my take I love it. it. I'm so happy for that. (laughs) Okay. Like, well, as I said, again, I wanted to be Troy. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I like, I like, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about it okay. when we get to it. Yeah, because you were a, hey, hey, that's my biker. So. I was a, hey, that's my biker. Yeah. All right. Well. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I don't know one person that hears those opening notes and doesn't just instantly start singing. You say, I only hear what I want to. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like stay. So the song is stay. The song is stay by Lisa Loeb and the Nine Stories. And I again it's very of its time and like it got overplayed, but I still love it when I hear it. Yeah. The thing that I absolutely adore about this song and I always have is that it's not your simple like verse chorus verse song. It is just a total like it is a narrative of right. a girl that got broken up with or broke up with someone. That's the other thing. Uh, she broke up with someone, right? She, she broke says, up with I someone. now I know that I did something wrong. And so now she's you. remorseful, yeah. which, yeah, it's so telling. And It would make sense if she got broken up with, but it's like he was a dick mm-hmm. who always said that she talks slow all the time. 
and all of these like things and that she's only hearing negatives and yeah then, but yeah then it's like she broke up with him yeah and then she turns the radio on she turns the radio up and a woman was singing her song uh, so this is my question yeah prompted by lisa lope what is like the one song that is like your like that when you were first broken up with it was like this is my soul in a song this person gets me so fun story okay i've been with my partner (laughs) since i was 17 so we don't have any breakup songs that are going to apply no i don't okay well then i gotta (laughs) see do i have i'm sorry Uh, it's a great no that's it's a that's a great point too so you can't listen to this song and really feel no what lisa lope feels i in in I have missed out on a whole world of um, experience. I don't think I would say missed out. I was going to say. <laughs> I have I, I think... have not had it, but I don't necessarily oh my God. feel bad about that. Well, not that you asked, but I'll tell you. I was going to ask, obviously. is 100% You Were Meant For Me by Jewel. Oh. Because I was broken up with in grade 10. It was right around that song. And I was just like, no one knows the pain but Jewel. But Jewel and Lisa Loeb. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty after that for right. me. My my experience has been very different. <laughs> but my experience is pretty uh rare, I would say. Well, it's it's lovely. I'm happy to know that, you know, you haven't had to go through all of that. But <laughs> You have this movie to watch, and it can just I, sort of put you through all the motions. So. I do love stuff about heartbreak. Okay. That is for sure. Well, all right. So here's something. When I was researching Lisa Loeb, number one, so this song was like historical until 2013 because Lisa Loeb was um, the first or the only unsigned act to hold a number one spot unsigned. Wow. Until 2013, and that was when... Macklemore and Ryan Lewis took over, which <laughs> wow. I don't know if we could find two like more different no, acts yeah. to do that, but pretty interesting. That's wild. Yeah. And Lisa Loeb initially she was writing this song um and it was going to potentially be used by Daryl Hall <laughs> for some kind of solo project. Wow. Right? Not Imagine. even by Hall and Oates. Yeah. Just Daryl Hall. So I can't wow. even comprehend what stay would sound like. No. But that's a fun thing to think about. So one thing, so this is another, this is like a real standout track on this album. Yeah, obviously. obviously. Like holds it mm-hmm. down. It's like, it's right near the. It's totally in the middle, yeah. which is weird. But I guess that is, I'm sure they purposely put it in the middle. I don't know. But. Especially for those cassette listeners. <laughs> what I forgot. Oh, what? Uh, I'm just looking at the cassette to see, is it. Is oh it the no! Same track okay. Listing? Yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to know if it was the end of side one or not. It is, is it? not. Is it the first song on side two? No, it is the second last song on side one. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's still like totally in line with where. Yes. Interesting. So, okay. But what what I didn't realize in the movie until this watch is that it only plays over the credits. Yeah. And I always kind of it's hate like that. It's like not in the movie at well, all. Yeah. When like when there's a song, unless I don't know, there's sometimes when it's good, but it's not even over like the final scene. It's like credits start, song starts. Yeah, which is always a little weird to me. Yeah, well, especially when it's a standout song on your soundtrack. Well, and the weird thing with these credits is it's actually like I think they go back. The credits go 
they play World Party again oh, in the credits. Really? And then they do that weird, like, they do some little parodies of, like, what in your face like the the record the mtv right. version bizarro yes. mtv they do like a little spoof on what um one of their shows would be and it's actually evan dando from the Lemonheads. he's like perf- right you know he's playing like the the dramatic soap opera-esque yes guy in it and they're playing the posies again hmm. and then it goes to the real credits <laughs> and then it's lisa Loeb. so it's like oh my god like if you saw this in the theater you would just sit through all this shit <laughs> The whole movie, and then more shit, and then Lisa Loeb, and yeah. somehow this was the standout track. Which yeah. I mean, it is, but it's just like it's weird. Yeah. So um, speaking of Evan Dando, wasn't there? Who was it? There's some. There's another musician in the background of a scene. Is it Dave, Dave Perner? Dave Perner. Yeah. yeah. I remember my sister loved Soul Asylum, so <laughs> that was like such a big deal, and we would just watch it for that one scene. And it's like, of course, you're friends with Vicky. Of course, you're friends with Vicky. Of course. Because uh, <laughs> she's the coolest. Yeah, she was the coolest. Also, like, I think, though, this song is so intertwined with this movie because Lisa Loeb was, she was friends with Ethan Hawke and they were neighbors in right. New York. And, and did then he direct the video for that song? He directed the video. And, yep. like, as much as, I feel like that video was, as you said, it was super, the song was overplayed. The video was overplayed because like here in Canada, much music, right? We had the countdown. Right. And it was yeah. in number one forever. <laughs> so like <laughs> you saw this and I'm I feel like you probably did the same thing. Like I've like re- recorded the countdown. Well of course. Of course. Well how so else had... would you watch the videos you loved over <laughs> and over again? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like recording music off the radio. Right. And so I had this song and this video recorded so many times in hopes just (laughs) like I feel like there were just so many random days where I'm like oh Smashing Pumpkins aren't even in the countdown this week but maybe they'll be number one (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah I think this video was a pretty like iconic not just 90s but like iconic video for sure it's two shots She's wearing a plain like black dress and yeah, she's just wandering an empty apartment. And the glasses. The glasses. The glasses, yeah. the hair, everything. It's a it's everything. a video that was like iconic in a lot of the same ways and in the same style as um Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Yes. They, which also yeah. just got played all over like Yeah. Yeah. Which is also still a fantastic song. Oh my god. Like both of these, if they come on. I will sing very loudly. <laughs> and they are both my like karaoke choices. Amazing. Because <laughs> I feel like everyone can enjoy it. Oh, everyone yeah. knows them. So for sure. Yeah. I also just with Lisa Loeb, she was also actually asked by Ethan Hawke to write I'm Nothing. So she did have a version oh. that was in the ring, but Ethan Hawke went with a different writer. Interesting. So, I know. Well, yeah. That song just keeps coming back up. Yep. Because so. it's fantastic. Yep, yep. So, and then we move into You're, you're totally obviously a big YouTube <laughs> fan. Eh? You know what? In just to keep it like really, I guess nice. I just missed like I missed out on the good YouTube. I think totally. I was just a little late. Like you had an older sister, right? Yeah. Do you? Feel she like... didn't really listen to them. Oh, okay. Though. Do you like YouTube? 
Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But. But. I absolutely love this song. This song is great. This song is fantastic. This song is great. I feel like this and like Joshua Tree, like those are the two yeah. albums that I can, because this was from, what is it? Rattle and Hum. So this was actually from 1988. This was another song that re-entered Billboard charts oh, after wow. this movie. Um, I don't, I don't really know why they like this doesn't really fit the soundtrack, but I'm glad it's there. So, I, did we say the title of the song? The song is "All I Want Is You." Oh yeah, sorry. By you two, <laughs> right? Maybe partially because it is the last track on side one of the cassette. Ooh. For me, it's like perfect. Yeah, you do. You do like garner such a relationship with the last song on cassette on, on like side a and then the first song on side b yes i feel i think looking at the rest of this track list again uh i mostly just listened to side one of that cassette okay yeah oh yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd like rip side one and then rewind and just yeah. do it again i'm sure i did yeah like, all I, the big ones I do all not the big know ones are side one the other tracks sure. nearly as well yeah i don't know i don't really love oh i no, I do love the scene that this is in the movie, like that this is used in the I movie. I can't remember what scene it is right now. It's when like Lelena and Troy have separated. Right. Troy's gone back to Chicago. So I love this scene because there's a cross cut between Lelena smoking and it's like the cig goes to her mouth and then she like so solemnly takes it out. <laughs> and as it like, you know, follows her hand after the drag, it then cross cuts to Troy's hand lifting the smoke to his mouth and it's just like I think he's smoking in a hospital. He is. He's smoking in the hospital. He is. It's amazing. <laughs> Which I he's just feel in the hallway of a hospital right? smoking. And I just think too like those are the little things upon rewatching a movie like this, you know, as I approach 40 and I <laughs> kind of like I think kind of like better films now. Yeah. I just like, I'm just like, that is so 90s. Everything about the decisions that were made there yeah. <laughs> is so 90s that I, I, I like it. And then I also, I don't know about you. So if this doesn't apply, we don't even have to include it. But <laughs> like, this was always the last song that the bar I love oh. in my late teens and oh, 20s. I love that. They always played this song. That's amazing. But it's like, <laughs> I don't know if it is. There's I there was something there's something to the last song in whatever like 1999, 1998 when the lights come back on and you are still allowed to smoke in bars <laughs> and you see all the butts everywhere. Oh. Where it's just like this song, you know, sure yeah, I had like a couple last last dances with people that probably could have been really like beautiful, but it's just like oh all these butts. <laughs> Everybody stinks. Like Yeah. So uh, for me, this song is just like it's it's everything that people talk about about you two and like the best versions of it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like the edges guitar is like airy and floaty at times and then mm -hmm. it rips at other times and like the vocals are great it's super emotional feeling it had yes. an amazing video as well u2 is a hard sell for me even when i was like i don't know just listening to this again i'm like okay oh okay. Um, yeah there's a handful of their songs that i love as i say not for me <laughs> <laughs> ah, and then moving on to another one that's not for me is locked out by crowded house <laughs> so 
Oh, hold on. We're going back for one okay. second to All I Want Is You. Oh, yay. Okay. <laughs> Think about the primary lines in Stay by Lisa Loeb, the beginning of the song. Yeah. She says, you say, I talk slow all the time or mm-hmm. like whatever. Mm-hmm. The first line of All I Want Is You is also you say. Ooh. Interesting, eh? Interesting. It's a nice little, like, uh, I feel like that's the kind of clever move that you do when making a mix CD for someone. Yeah. Uh. Or I would have done, because <laughs> I love wordplay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's a really great reason it's on here. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic song. Uh, anyway, Locked Out by Crowded House. nothing nothing it's from 1993 and it's on here now i don't even know much about crowded house i'll be honest me neither again i feel like another band that people liked a lot some did yeah are they british no they're very that they're very much that um again like college rock to me yeah all right so Uh, locked out by crowded house um exists yeah it's there this song's good what song is it so this is spinning around over you by lenny kravitz wrote this single for the movie so this was another one written for the movie um i already thought lenny kravitz was super cool okay that's what i was gonna ask when when i don't remember when he came on the scene i mean he had a number of songs but the big one was when he like his big breakthrough for me was are you gonna go my way yes yeah and And that was 93 oh that was 93 that was 93 so i did know him by the time i heard this yeah right and i the one thing like i just think he is always cool. Yeah. Always. And the thing about this song is that I think it's the only song that like his sound has stayed so true to itself. Yes. And it still it transcends. Like it transcends the 90s. He's perfect to be on this soundtrack. But this song sounds like something he could have released yesterday. Well, it also sounds like it's from the 70s. Yeah, right? Is, like, yeah. it's, yeah, it's so good. And this is, this is a scene where Lelena is, she's selling her, or not selling, sorry, Michael is showing her the cut up version of her documentary oh, by In Your Face. Right. Oh, God, that's terrible. It's so that's bad. so bad. Because it's just like, Lelena, what'd you do? You gave them all your rough footage? Yeah. You just said, here's all my stuff on VHS. Like, I don't understand. But this is also the scene where I think we miss out on a lot of good music soundtrack-wise. Like, they didn't include Social Distortion. Right. Which was in this scene. They didn't include, well, Alice Cooper's in this scene and Salt and Peppa as well. Oh, yeah. And I remember when I saw I saw the movie first and I was so excited for the soundtrack because I 
couldn't, I don't know, I couldn't afford or I couldn't buy or I wasn't allowed to buy salt and pepper. So I was like, yes, I can get this. But I didn't get it because it wasn't on the soundtrack. So it's funny that I, yeah, remember like being excited for soundtracks to come out. Right. And there's, there's a few different, I don't know, there's a few different movies that the soundtracks have been so obvious in the movie and I'm happy for the most part with all the songs that they did include in this one. But yeah, this there were one a few of, they didn't. One of the things I feel like is that there's been there have been so many artists I've been introduced to by soundtracks. So like I almost needed the soundtrack to even find out who the artist was mm-hmm. if I heard a song in a movie that I liked because you know, we're talking the nineties. Right. We and didn't have I couldn't just Shazam the song. Yeah. Or like, or Google the lyrics. I know. As soon as, I feel like as soon as I had, you know, good internet in like the 2000s, I was like Googling lyrics all the time Mm -hmm. in quotations. Yeah. To make sure you like. (laughs) Oh yeah. Remember when like all of that really mattered in your search. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and now, yeah, they're just, it's just everywhere all the time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I have a story along those lines about another soundtrack if we ever do that one that about the movie pump up the volume and how which i haven't seen i didn't know who leonard cohen was yeah but how it's also realizing how would you like how would we have known like i don't think like i would have never known who lisa loeb was oh yeah that's true this right but like leonard cohen was yeah i mean we're canadian we should we should know who Leonard Cohen is. Yeah. But, but I didn't. No, I, yeah. I wouldn't have. I no, wouldn't I have. So, yeah. 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 All right. <sighs> so we're here. Your favorite song. Yes. <laughs> okay, where is it? I got it. It's not on Spotify. What a shame. What a shame. Yeah, I guess I guess I really listen to all of these via YouTube as well because, well, yeah, because it's not on Apple Music. Right. And the gem that we are talking about. The gem that we are talking about is I'm Nothing by Ethan Hawke. Got a potted mama, got a crooked dad. I'm the ultra-modern version of the American man. I don't feel good, but I don't feel bad. Nothing. Oh yeah, that spelling was key for me. I <laughs> loved this song. I love a real like loose acoustic song Ugh. where you're just like just I don't know drawling along. No, got I got I here I have I got nothing for this song because I really don't. I don't. It's so like what I thought of was cool or like <laughs> would be cool. It's not what I envisioned Hey That's My Bike to sound like. Oh, really? It is not. I assumed that they would totally be like grunge grunge. I wonder if they have more grunge songs, though, and then this is... This is his sad... Yeah. Troy Dyer song. I'm nothing. I got a pothead mama, got a cokehead dad. I'm the ultra-modern version of the American man. Oh, oh, please. 1994 (laughs) me was like, this is genius songwriting. No. I need this song. But 
But also, yes, because like 1994 me was like, Troy Dyer is the man I'm going to marry. Ethan Hawke is the most beautiful person in the world. Yes. And now. Oh, that hair. Oh, his hair in this movie is perfect for 1994. It was everything I wanted. Right. Yes, I agree. All of the haircuts, all of those haircuts were everything I wanted in a person in general. I tried Vicky's bangs. Of course you did. It was not good. (laughs) (laughs) I tried Lelena's like pixie cut. Also not good. And then tried to date lots of people with Troy's hair. Right. Um, That was probably not good either, but... (laughs) Why can't I think of the other character's name? Sammy. 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 Oh, yeah, which I don't know if this is the right time to say it, but Sammy and Vicky were the best characters. Oh, 100%. Um, And I wish that Sammy got so much more because he's always there. Like, he's got, like, a lot of little funny lines. He's amazing. And I don't get it because I'm still like, are you the band's manager? Or like, why? Or do you work at the bar? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. But he, the ideal movie for me now, mm-hmm. Sammy is the star. Yes, for sure. Like the scene where he tells his parents that he's gay. Oh. I want to see that. Yes. Like I want, I want his whole story. And you know, when I was, I was listening to another podcast, um, that's also about film and I'm totally blanking on the name, but they said they, they said, Oh, but Sammy only gets about five minutes in his coming out story. I was like, that can't be right. That is exactly right. I think Sammy gets like seven minutes throughout the whole movie. And half of those minutes are in the friggin' bar with, Hey, that's my bike. (laughs) He's even like forgettable looking kind of when we're talking about like everybody's how you wanted to be this person or you want to like, I did not want to be Sammy, but he was the person who I like maybe had the easiest odds to yeah. be like because he was just kind of a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We digress from the song, but Sammy. Which Sammy needs his due. Sammy fan club. Yeah. 100%. Really, really loved him. And I also wish we could have heard the Lisa Loeb version. Of this song. <laughs> yes. So who did write that song? I always assumed it was Oh, yeah. It was, it was a um, like a songwriter I didn't know. So yeah. some kind of, like a paid songwriter. Cool. Yeah. And then, of course, after that, we have Hey, That's My Bike. Right? That's, yeah, that's their band. They cover the Violent Femmes. Oh, in the movie itself. In the movie. Yes. Another song that I couldn't believe wasn't on the soundtrack as a, like, kid. Right that we got I'm nothing and we didn't get that cover. I was pissed. But like, A, I didn't know it was a cover. It's another one of those. I didn't know the Violent Femmes yet. Okay. So I like didn't know that that Somehow was a cover. Somehow I did know that was a cover. Until but... I got their like greatest hits album. Yeah. Which is still like, actually the album added up, mm-hmm. which is a greatest hits album of Violent Femmes mm-hmm. of their like early stuff. Right, right. Is the only Violent Femmes album I've owned and it's the only mm-hmm. one I really need because it has like all it of has my, all the best yeah. era, like good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, that song, that's when I heard that song. I was like, oh my God, that song that Ethan Hawke sings <laughs> is, and this was years later. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, this is always the point where I turn off the movie because I'm just like, you're so awful. This would be the worst. Like, I can't even imagine the discomfort for everyone involved in 
I guess everyone involved in that sort of knows what's going on. Yes. And then you see all the other people like moshing to it. They have no idea that everyone is so uncomfortable and sad. <laughs> it's terrible. So. Then that after she runs out, they have that awkward moment outside the oh two of them. And, and like he's such a dick in that too. And then Stiller runs out pretty hilariously. (laughs) I gotta be honest, if I had someone run out of a bar like that for me, I can't decide if I would be like, you're you're the one for me or like, no, we're done. (laughs) This is not gonna work because the run is just so flailing and yeah, I'm also like, how fast did Winona Ryder run? Oh, she's like gone. Yeah, totally gone. gone. Um, But this is also where um, Troy and Michael have their standoff and Troy once again gets to show the audience how brilliant he is because Michael, do you know what I'm talking about? I think so. But Where Michael's like, oh, you're one of those guys with the bells on your hat and like he yes. can't think of the word, but Ethan Hawke is brilliant and he thinks of the word jester. <laughs> so that once again shows us his intellectual prowess over everyone. That he's so much better. So brilliant. Yeah. So brilliant. And yeah, it's a that's a turning point of the movie. But don't worry, because we only actually have about eight minutes to wrap everything up anyway. <laughs> Which every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can just turn it off at this point. <laughs> Nothing. Like, You're like this is a better movie. She's not with either of them. Right. But and... really, Michael's not a bad guy. This is also the scene where Michael comes back to tell her hey, you know what? Your movie's great and you're going to get to do it the way you want to do it. And she somehow still takes a philosophical and moral stance against that. I guess because she's still just hurt at how much they like edited her stuff up in the first place. She doesn't have a job and she wants to be a documentarian. I don't know personally. I guess I would just, I would be a sellout, I guess, if that's what a sellout is. Yeah, there's a lot of times when I'm like, I would definitely be a sellout. Right? Money's good. Yeah. She totally. wasn't working. She was. She was. Did she work at that wiener dog with David Spade? Oh, right. I forgot. There's some Have like, it to great, you, wiener dude. You great side it. character stuff. Yes, she did try to work there, didn't And then. Oh, no. And then she couldn't add. Right. And then, yeah. Okay. Have a toed <laughs> wiener dude. I almost put that in. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So. Then I think you, do you have a lot to say about Dinosaur Jr.? Dinosaur Jr. is, so the song is Turn Up Farm by Dinosaur Jr. And Dinosaur Jr. is a band that like people I have thought are cool like Dinosaur Jr. Same. But I have never gotten into Dinosaur Jr. Oh my God, okay, same. Same, same, same. (laughs) Yeah. was a shirt for green mind like a vintage t-shirt for green mind it was priced so well at this one vintage store and i was so close to buying it but i was like this is no i can't i don't know anything about dinosaur jr except that they were on this soundtrack that kurt cobain loved them yeah that like everyone that i idolized in the 90s really liked them but no no i just i don't i never got into it i don't know and you know like 
listening to the song now, it's kind of surprising that I didn't get into them. But I also think it once again had to do with like the price. Right. I, I wonder what label they were on initially, if it was like Sub Pop or whatever. But yeah, whatever it was, it made the cassettes really expensive. Oh, right. <laughs> like in that era when like indie labels were right. like imports yeah, in Canada. Exactly. And then you're like, I had to pay import pricing yeah. for like something made in the US. That's the same with like, like that's why I could never really get into Babes in Toyland right. or even like L7. Like I love those bands now but i couldn't afford to listen to them then there was nowhere else to listen to them yeah except on that cassette that was 25 dollars, <laughs> or with a one-off song on a soundtrack right exactly so yeah that's i think too this is the this is playing when they're smoking out of the cans which or... which scene when they're smoking oh, sorry. because every <laughs> yeah, they sorry. smoke in every right. scene You're in this totally movie right. it's sorry. constant smoking no they're... i'm kidding out of the <laughs> but... can the can. Oh, They're doesn't she say, don't bogart that can? Don't bogart that can, oh my God. man. Yes. Yes. This is also this is the winter of our discontent. Yes. And what else happened? This oh, is... my God. When he answers the phone like that, I was so in love. Just so much I want to be the guy who answers the phone by saying right. welcome to the winter of yes. our discontent. I love that book because of this movie i found it in my parents book collection and was like oh my god you have this book my dad's like of course i do i don't know it's a very dad my dad kind of book to have but i thought it was some kind of epic book but i still i still love that book and i can reread it regularly that being said i also changed like our family answering machine (laughs) I changed it to welcome to the winter of our discontent. And my parents never called our house, so they never knew. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And then I would only get in trouble when eventually, like, my aunt would call. Right. And be like, what the hell is that answering machine? I love when you had a family answering machine. Right? Yeah. I like how much of this uh, conversation is we were broke and in a different era. (laughs) Yeah. One (laughs) phone. We had one phone with, like, a really long cord. Oh, my God. Yes. So you could, like drag it to different rooms and then we had to get rid of the long cord because my youngest sister tripped over it (laughs) (laughs) fell down the stairs she was fine so it's funny but um yeah the idea of of one phone with how many sisters do you have four yeah Yeah. and one phone then dial up internet yeah i used to have to call my neighbor to say tell danny or tell mandy to get off the computer (laughs) and they would be like thinking back it's like that's a lot to ask yeah ask your neighbor to leave their warm cozy home to knock on the door to tell someone else to get off the computer i don't even (laughs) leave the room to tell my wife something in the other room i text her right exactly or even i I text her images when we're laying (laughs) beside each other because i don't want to reach my phone over right yeah, yeah, that is a lot to say. Dinosaur Jr. just brings back so much, so much of the 90s, even though I didn't listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Does this bring us to the end? No, not yet. No, we still have three songs left. Okay. We're on right. to Revival. Right. So by Me, Fi, Me. And some may be deeper and deeper and deeper My brother man sits with pen and scans the lamp for what he can Hoping that it might strike gold Waiting 
in search of the soul to find what you seek. The valleys and the me. It's a rapper from Flint, Michigan. Uh, and this was the only artist Ben Stiller said when he went to RCA. This is this. I don't whatever is on the soundtrack is cool with me. But this song is on it. Wow. Right. Because when is this in the movie? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't really know. Like, I do like it a lot. This was a song that I always kept on. Yeah, he didn't do a ton of stuff after this, but he sampled funk acts like Sly and the Family Stone, who I loved. I just love that this was who Ben Stiller said, above all else, this song. It's got like Arrested Development kind of vibes. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, So this is also the only song that's available on Apple Music for this soundtrack. That's wild. (laughs) So I've listened to it a few times now because it's like, oh, all right. Well, it's the only one. (laughs) I do like this group chant uh, chorus. It's a nice song. And the harmonica. I feel like this this is almost one of the songs that I could see just listening to outside of this soundtrack. Yes. Um, Because it's just, yeah, it's cool. Yep. Like it fits in with a lot of other stuff from the era and like, yeah. So, Tempted. Tempted by Squeeze. And then once again, this was another song that had left the charts and came back because Uh. of this. Actually, that's not really true. They didn't. This song was not a hit in 81, which blows my mind. I love this song. Love it. I think. I can see that for you. (laughs) Oh, I love it so much. It came out in 81? 81. Wow. Yeah. And I think like, yeah, it just wasn't, it wasn't like a big hit for them. Which, interestingly, also, this is sung by their keyboardist. It's like their only song that's sung by their keyboardist. (laughs) He's got a great voice. Yeah. That must be so hard for bands when they release a song that has a totally different singer and it does so well. Yes. (laughs) Which, I mean, I guess this didn't initially do well, but now it's been used in (laughs) so many, so many TV shows and movies and... I love it. And I also, it's written, it was actually written as they drove to the airport to go on tour. So all it is is just them, like, right? Like, I packed a toothbrush, some toothpaste, a flannel for my face. It's just them saying, like, okay, let's write down some lyrics, which I love. (laughs) And then the fact that on tour there was some kind of, you know, infidelities. Right. Where you were tempted by the fruit of another. Exactly. Right? I had a question about this, and now I don't remember what it was. Is it about driving in a car, smoking a cig with the windows down, singing a song with your best friend. That is actually what it was. It was what <laughs> scene is this? Is oh. that the scene where she flicks the the cigarette into Ben Stiller's car? Correct. Oh my yes. goodness! I what? Also... <laughs> Speaking of di- being a dick, <laughs> holy yes. shit! Right? This like is... that is a terrible. That is a m- terrible move. And I mean, as people that have, I'm guessing, smoked in cars. Have you smoked in a car before? I've never smoked in a car. Oh, interesting. Okay. I've smoked in a car many, many times. And I don't think, like, you know where you're going to be flicking 
your cigarette. I don't like where did you think it was going to go, Lelena? It's clearly going to go into his car. Well, it was wasn't it deliberate because he was a dick? That's a good question, which I don't know. People like I always pe- uh, people say me and my best friend that watched this movie a thousand times <laughs> have argued if it was purposeful. But I think that, you're like on the Reddit threads. You're like, yeah. Did Lelena really throw that cigarette on purpose? (laughs) Exactly. But I also love the juxtaposition of like this song and them driving in the shitty BMW, which she said she wasn't going to take, but she takes and she's driving it. Um, And then Ben Stiller in his like in his convertible, probably also BMW, probably fancier because that was in the 90s. That was the car. Oh, yeah. If you had a BMW. Um, But he has like blasting rap music. And I couldn't find what artist that was. I don't know who it was. Um, But I feel like, yeah, they were just setting it up. And that was a really big thing in like 94, 95 to really like play off the idea of like grunge rock and hip hop. Yes. And I hate that looking back. <laughs> I wish like why couldn't we have all just got along? Right. But instead this was sort of just showing right the complete oppositeness of the two of them. And I get stressed out just watching Ben Stiller <laughs> because he has a huge car phone. Yes, I love the car phone. And he's looking at a giant map. Yeah. Because, of course, this is also, like, before MapQuest. Yeah. Like, he didn't print out, you know, like, 8 by 10 sheets of paper. There's a huge map. He's got CD, like, jewel cases everywhere. everywhere. And it's like, dude, turn down the music. How That's... are you even hearing who the person you're on the phone with yes. because the music is that loud? And I am one of those people that needs to, like, turn down the music to see better. Uh, so yes. this stresses me out. Like, I will be driving... <laughs> And I need to turn down the heat. Like when I get on the expressway, it's like everything down just so I have no sound I need to see. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Love it. So this scene is a favorite and a non-favorite for me, but the song is uh, way up there. I definitely always thought that, yeah, this guy rolls up, he's being an ass, and that she drops the cigarette specifically onto his- She tosses it. She tosses it. Onto his seat. Okay. and then there's a stack of paper there. So, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's funny. I just saw some meme post the other day that was like, you know, referencing current distracted driving. Mm-hmm. And then it's like me oh, me yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> and he's like got the CD yeah. wallet, the the like Ford disc yes. one. And, and yeah, MapQuest yep. printed out MapQuest paper. And, and like, yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad. I, I also say that only in a passengering way because I didn't get my license until I was 30. Nice. So I was, that was the other thing I guess is that my best friend was always there to drive and then I was the DJ and smoking. Right. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, I didn't have my license in high school either actually. I didn't get mine until, (laughs) I didn't get my license until I turned 19 and I needed ID. Oh yeah. I got my G1 when I turned 19, but I was like, meh. Driving, I don't have a car. <laughs> Driving's not for me. <laughs> we had we had one car, and my mom and my sister were always yeah like, and so I was like, where? How am I supposed to yeah. have car time? So yeah. I just didn't get my license. Yeah, well, nineteen comes around. It's important. <laughs> yeah, so. We've got to be able to buy booze. <laughs> exactly. So this. now this is the last song, and I think this is a banger. Oh. Didn't know this was a cover initially. Neither did I. Right? So this is by Big Mountain, which is an American reggae group. 
covering Frampton. Baby, I love your way. Yeah. Oh, baby, I love your way every day. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Also, like, re-entered the top ten. Uh, and it led to, like, Frampton re-entering. Right. I, I don't think I knew it was a cover either. Um, but uh, later, in university, uh, we got really into Frampton Comes mm-hmm. Alive for a while. <laughs> I feel like, I yeah, there's a lot of people in. So the, the reason it happened to me... <laughs> in my life that we got really into Frampton Comes Alive is that um, when I finished high school, like my mom moved to Nova Scotia and my friend's parents moved to California mm-hmm. and my friend had his family had lived in a house in the suburbs and they were like, well, you can continue to live in the house and rent it with your friends from us. So oh. Six yeah, of this a, sounds like a Frampton Comes Alive story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so six of us move into this suburban house with a mm-hmm. two-car garage. And uh, some of them were, some of us were still in high school. Oh, my God. Uh, three of, I think three of us at first, three of us were in university and three of us were in high school. Okay. And our garage, most of it, or at least half of it, one side, um, of course, ended up with couches in it and like stuff because that's what else where people would, would yeah. smoke. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we would hang out in our garage all the time. <laughs> and I had gotten an eight track player from my grandparents okay. that I'd always had kicking around. And I, because I thought eight tracks were cool. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure Vicky did yep. in 94. Sorry. So- I also think eight tracks are so funny because. Eight, when I first saw an eight track, I had no idea how it worked. Right. Like, oh, they're none. confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those, I wonder, is there like a hipster moment for those soon? Uh, it or already happened when I right. did it. You're, you're t- I was the hipster <laughs> in the year 2000. It's and we're done. Yeah. Okay. With my <laughs> extensive 8-track collection. And I had so, meatloaf, meatloaf bad out of hell nice. on 8-track. But I didn't have an 8-track player. So, because my grandparents had had this one that was in this trailer on their property. Mm-hmm. And a, my cousin and I would go and play with it when we were young and like listen to, listen to all their disco 8-tracks. Which was amazing. I put this eight track player that I got from my grandparents, like mm-hmm. after they passed away, I, it was one of the things that I took was the eight track <laughs> player, put it in the garage, and that's what we would listen to while hanging oh, out. Was we would listen to the okay. eight track player, or I also ran a CD player through it so we could. Yeah. Um. But uh. But anyway, I did have Frampton Comes Alive on, on eight track. Holy. And we would listen to it all the time, <laughs> and then it got lost under like. Under like a couch cushion (laughs) or like some of our seats were old car seats. Of Of course course they were. Oh my God. (laughs) This was really my like. I didn't need to see like, do you have some old like Polaroids of this? There are photos that were taken (laughs) in there that cannot be seen by uh, the general public. I can just, I can just imagine it. I have it so vividly in my brain. Okay. It was, it was a lot. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, and then Frampton got lost for a while, and then we found Frampton, and we were so happy. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I'm, 
this song must have an even more special place for you. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's a little weird because it's not Frampton. Right. Well, yeah. At least you had the garage. Oh, man, the garage. <laughs> All right, so this has been an awesome chat. Until next episode, I'll most likely be dancing in a convenience store or straining to define irony. I am going to uh, just continue to enjoy the winter of our discontent. (laughs) Perfect. You can check us out online um, or email us with any thoughts or suggestions for future soundtracks or compilations that you think would be cool uh, at Sidetracked with Abby, A-B-B-I-E, and John, J-O-N, at gmail.com. And all the info is in the episode notes. Thank you so much for listening.